right, all right. Good morning, Emmanuel. How many of you love Jesus today? Big shout out to all of our locations, those worshiping in Lakeville, Elk River, Maple Grove, and those joining online. And those in Spring Lake Park, we're all one family together. Super excited, and we have an opportunity tonight to worship together. If you want to swing by Spring Lake Park this evening, and we're just going to worship. You're like, well, what's the agenda? Jesus. We're just going to lift him up, and then things happen, right? And uh, that's what we're excited about. And how many of you know when Jesus shows up, there's a big W, a win in our column. God does something really, 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 really powerful. So if you can, I encourage you to come and uh, I think it's great if you have uh, elementary age kids too and, and, and middle schooler and high school, let them worship with you. Let them experience the presence of God. This is something that the next generation needs to experience God, not just hear the knowledge about him. They need to experience God. Can I get an amen to that? We're in uh, week number three of our Redwood Faith series, and uh, I'm so excited about what God is doing. Of course, we've been talking about the metaphor of these great massive trees on the west coast, the redwoods, and uh, they grow hundreds of feet tall, and they live to be hundreds of years old, and they withstand all the storms that come off the coast. Somehow, they have longevity, and one of the things that I desire for us as a church, for every believer, anyone that follows Jesus, that you're not just going to be in one day and out the next. But there's something in your life that lasts a long time, that your faith grows. And not only do you have a faith, but you have the kind of faith that withstands the storms of your life, and that you have the capacity to grow and become who God has called you to be. And I believe that we can find that. And of course, the metaphor of the Redwoods is they grow so tall, and uh, they last that long, but they do it because their root system is interconnected with other trees. There's a connectedness in the faith. In other words, in a metaphor that we've been talking about, it's not just having roots and going into knowing God. It's also in being connected to each other. And that's how we ended last week, talking about you are a part of the family of God. And it's important for you to be connected. And while we've been talking, people have been gathering together in groups of all types of groups. I'm in two groups. One of the groups that I'm in is Tuesday morning. And I'm with some business owners, and uh, we get together every Tuesday morning anyways, but uh, our fearless leader, David Boyd, has us going through the booklet, and we were going through the questions this past Tuesday and answering the questions, and I just think there's something powerful that happens when you don't just hear the word, but you discuss it and talk about it with others. That's when it becomes real. That's when it lasts. I'm just aware that, you know, whatever I preached two weeks ago, nobody remembers. It's just the way it is. You don't remember what I preached last week sometimes. But the knowledge is actually becoming a part of you when you open your mouth. That's where life change happens. When you're talking to another believer, not just watching something on a movie screen like you're at a theater. It's not theater religion. It's connected religion and doing faith together. Can I get an amen to that? And so I think it's super important for all of us to lean into that. And uh, for me, I, 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 that faith, that belief comes out of my own journey. Because I've got memories. You know, I grew up in the church. Not everybody grew up in the church, but I value the relationships that I had in the church. There's so much, so many memories. I was like, how, which ones do I share? I thought I'd start like really young, before I have memories. My parents have told me about some of these memories. So like, 
when I was like a toddler and I was going through potty training. Anybody know what potty training is? Now, I have been, it's a process. How many of you have had a hard time with that, parents? It's a journey, right? You got to have supernatural patience from the Lord. Well, I have been taught how to do it. My parents were teaching me how to do that. But at the stage I was in, they were the ones that pulled my pants up at the end. And then fast forward to a church. And my dad was on a platform and uh, he pastored until I was six years old. And I remember, I remember, I've heard about this story, but I laugh when I think about it because my dad was at the front of the room and he was taking up an offering. And uh, I had been taken to the bathroom and uh, I didn't know what I did next. So I walked up the middle aisle with my pants down to my ankles and my dad said, let's pray. <laughs> so I can recall so many different types of potlucks and all kinds of uh, moments when I would be together in church. I remember somebody somewhere along the line in, in, in Sunday school or in nursery or somewhere taught me Jesus loves me. How many know the song? Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me. I was taught that by loving people who volunteered. And back in those days, it was Sunday school and, and people that invested in me. And I not only got it in the home, but there was a family in the church that also taught me as a part of the fabric of my life. Um, I remember watching my parents as they hosted connect groups in our house, and, and I had no idea what they were doing, but I knew when I was, in, I was getting too loud because they let me know. Uh, I remember those moments where they would have fellowship and people would hang out and there was food. And, and it was, so for me, church wasn't a service. Church was a whole lot more than that. It was connected to relationships outside of a service. I remember uh, uh, Sunday services where people were worshiping and I was in the service and I would turn and I would see my mom with tears streaming down her face as she encountered the presence of God. And I, you know, that did something to me as a little kid. It wasn't like, wow, that's cool. My mom knows God. Somewhere along the line, it was, my mom loves God. We're in church with other believers. We're worshiping God. I can know him too. And it, was, it wasn't just the person on the platform. It wasn't just the excellence of the music. It was the people around me. I began to hear God's voice for myself. And there was a regular commitment from my family to be in church, and that's how I began to know Jesus. I remember in my middle school years, I, I was feeling very awkward about my body and uncertain about my identity. And a guy named Pastor Scott Visser, the middle school pastor, noticed this awkward kid that just would blush every time anybody would look at me. And I didn't know how to handle what was going on with my voice. And I'm sure there are a million hormones going through my body. And Pastor Scott took me fishing. I didn't know how to fish, but he worked a, a job 
as an electrician and he was a pastor at the church. He was bivocational. He picked me up in his big electrical van, had all this stuff in it. And he said, we're going fishing today, Nate. And I was like, that's great. I had no idea what that meant. But we spent about four hours together that day. And those four hours were so powerful to me as a young man because I was valuable enough to spend four hours with. I was valuable enough that I was okay. I was accepted and I was in. Did you know that the next generation that's confused about their identity and they don't know how they feel about themselves, they're going to places that affirm wrong identities. They're not getting affirmed for who God has called them to be. They need older people who will invest in the next generation. You can make a difference. Can I get an amen to that? And that's exactly what happened to me. There's so much faith fabric around my life. And I remember in high school, I'd go to, to, to uh, we called them life groups. And, uh, and it was on Sunday night. And I had Wednesday church, but Sunday night was my, that was so fun. Because we would go to the Anderson's house and we would just hang out. And we were an eclectic group of people. I was the football person, athlete, and I had buddies that didn't give a lick. They didn't care at all about sports. Just like in church. We got people that have all kinds of different, and I would go and they would, we would just hang out. I remember go sitting on the trampoline and talking about whatever comes to mind and and we all looked forward to Mrs. Anderson's ice cream and fudge, homemade fudge that she'd make for us every Sunday night. I'm in high school and I'm looking forward to being with my spiritual friends. And it helped me navigate. It was like an anchor that kept me from drifting away from who God had designed me to be. Listen, Redwood Faith is not just going to a church service. It's about being connected to other believers. And I still chase that in my life. Because I find joy in connecting with the fam. And I learned to meet with God. And whether I felt him or not, I associated the house of God as the connecting place for my whole life. Connecting me to God, to his family, and to my Redwood faith. Listen, church. It is my desire for everyone who is even remotely connected to Emmanuel to have an anchor point in their life a fabric of strength that enables each one to not only survive life, but thrive in the capacity that God provides through his church. And my hope is that you'll make this a priority for you and your family. So part three, my title of my message today, I'm finally there, is connected with the fam. Connected with the fam. Acts chapter two. We're gonna go to the birthday of the church season. It's a Church explodes on the day of Pentecost, and God is creating something that didn't pre-exist. It wasn't pre-existing. There was nothing there before, and God creates his church. And Peter had just gotten up, and he had preached to the crowd. And starting with verse 41, it says, Those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. 3,000 new people, boom, right? And all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. 
And then the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is in a moment in church history, your history. This is your family history, if you will, where 3,000 people, this is not a small church. Some people go, I want to be in a small church. Some people think there's, uh, God is against big churches. Listen, God is into people being connected to each other, no matter the size. Now, I believe that he doesn't want us to be 3,000 as just a crowd. He wants us to be 3,000 people maybe that are connected. But that doesn't mean that bigger it grows, something's wrong. When you have redwood faith, things grow. Come on, somebody. I'm believing for it in Lakeville. I'm believing for it in Maple Grove. I'm believing it for it in all of our locations in Elk River. You're going to grow. Spring Lake Park, we can grow. And when God adds to our number, it's not a bad thing. But it doesn't feel like it used to. Ah, the family's getting bigger. And they had a type of commitment to each other that just seemed incredible. They were committed to teaching and fellowship and eating together and eating together. Come on, somebody. And eating together. And then they prayed. And the result of that commitment to each other was miracles and signs and wonders and generosity. They shared whatever they had because they cared about each other. And they worshiped together every day. Finally, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So how did they experience this level of connection? Let me tell you one thing. Persecution required it. They're being persecuted. They had to stick together. They didn't have each other. They didn't have anything. I'm just going to tell you in church history over the last couple thousand years, anytime persecution hits the church, the church grows. When we don't have it, that's the most dangerous part of our story. We don't need each other. And when we don't need each other, we're separated from the source of our own personal spiritual strength. So how do they experience it? Well, there was a climate, just like there's a climate for redwood trees to grow. Out on the West Coast, there's a unique environment, the way the, the coast goes and, and the way the, the bays are, that just outside of San Francisco, for example, there's a constant climate, somewhere between 50 and 75 degrees, that's optimum, and it retains the humidity and the moisture off the coast, and somehow it it's like a, a fog, if you will, that also blocks out some of the sun that would dry it out. It is required for all of those trees to be sustained and to grow. You pick the redwood trees out in the desert and it doesn't grow the same way. So a climate is necessary above the ground and in relationship to the world around it. The climate for redwood faith in Acts chapter 2 was that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
the word of God. There was a consistent commitment to that. We talked about last week. It's like, like going to the, the weed and feed and the, the, for the trees where you want to keep it healthy and grow. And it goes into the root system and it keeps it healthy. The word of God, they were committed to that. They weren't just coming up with ideas. How many know when you get new people or you get bored, you come up with ideas and not all your ideas are God ideas. So the apostles teach them, kept them on track. It was like a, uh, the, the, you know, if I go bowling. I love it when I can put those bumper lane, those bumpers up, hey? It keeps me in. I'm going to hit something, right? They're committed to the apostles' teaching. They were committed to the fellowship. They were committed to each other. It was a relational connection. It talks about eating together, sharing in meals, and it says including the Lord's Supper, not only the Lord's Supper, but in the context of staying together. You know what? I'd love to encourage our church. Where are you going for brunch afterwards? Where are you going for lunch afterwards? What if we had a relational context where we regularly connect. If you're in a connect group, there's something about the relationship. There's something about the ice cream and the homemade fudge that Mrs. Anderson made that created something special. By the way, I still love homemade fudge if anybody wants to share some with your pastor. (laughs) Jody's probably saying, no, he doesn't need any more fudge. He doesn't need more fudge. But just like we did today with communion, When we share communion together, we don't just have hanging out and fun. It's tied together by Jesus. So there is something in our relationships that isn't just hanging out. It's also recognizing what's the one thing we got in common? It's Jesus. And then it says they prayed together. People who connect and pray together in unity. Listen. Unity is not to be confused with uniformity. Unity is not, in other words, we're not all the same. We don't all see the world the same way. We're not all thinking about the same stuff all the time. We don't even necessarily have the same filter for how we view everything from politics to, to spending to, to vacations to sports teams. We're going to have differences But our unity is in Jesus. And when we have unity, it's a special climate where the Holy Spirit shows up. It's what Psalm says. How blessed it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It's like oil or anointing pouring down Aaron's beard. Hits the people. There's something special when we gather together and we pray. So what God did in the people's hearts was extraordinary in Acts chapter 2. They had faith for miracles. They became unselfish and generous, and everyone was cared for. And the church was one family, and everyone played for the name on the front of the jersey. Now, some of you have been wondering since I started, why does Pastor Nate have a jersey on? Well, this particular jersey is a Warriors Steph Curry jersey. But it has special meaning to me because our staff gave it to me when I, I, to commemorate 30 years of me being at Emmanuel. And uh, it was just a couple years ago, and I came here as a college student back in 1991. And uh, so I've been a part of the fam for a while, right? And so they got this for me. That's what the 30 represents. He's also a team captain, world champion. 
I have two sons that think he's the greatest of all time. Uh, they, they love the Warriors. Shout out to Jeff and Tim. I'll give that to you guys right now. But I want you to consider that when you're in the family or the, on the team, you're pulling for the whole family. You're not just thinking about the name on the back, your name. You are representing and thinking about the front of the jersey. You're connected, so you don't evaluate church just by how it made me feel this week, because this might not be your week to be challenged incredibly with your intellect. This might be the week you're supposed to notice the need of your sister and your brother sitting next to you, and God wants you to pray with them, because it's about the front of the jersey, not the back of the jersey. You can't just care about your role, your position, what you do. You've got to think about the grander family, your team, if you will. When they hurt, I hurt. When they rejoice, I rejoice. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24. Paul is speaking in a grander context about all of the church and the body of Christ. And by the way, in the context of what he was talking about, the church had become so individualistic that all they cared about was their own feelings individually. And so Paul's kind of bringing order to the mess and saying, listen, this isn't just your own personal on-demand church service. This is also a reflection of you are connected to a larger group of people. Verse 24, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together, he's talking about the church, such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. And if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. God's delivery system is his body, the church. Each of us, each of you are a part. So let me give you, for Redwood Faith, to be connected to the fam requires a few things. The first one is this. If you're gonna be connected to the fam, one, you gotta see yourself as a family member. You have to see yourself as. You're not just an observer, a critic. You're not just given a, uh, an online review about something that's not connected to you. you. This is your family. What does he say in verse 27? All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a part of this family. <laughs> You're in. One of the biggest barriers to initiating connection with others is thinking you aren't wanted or you aren't good enough. That you're not really in. So you kind of insulate yourself so you don't get rejected. In Ephesians chapter two, Paul is speaking to the church in Ephesus and he says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone of Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. 
He says, you're no longer strangers and foreigners. You are members of God's family. This is really interesting because in the middle of that era of the world's history, it mattered what city you were from, what nation you were from, where your citizenship was. And at that time, there was a lot of confusion even within the church about who would be called family and who's kind of sort of family, who's on the outside looking in. In particular, the Jewish Christians looked at those that were Gentile Christians, which meant anybody that wasn't a Jew. All of them were kind of foreigners. You're not a part of the real family. How many of you know that sometimes even in church world, there can take on sometimes an attitude like the people that have been here for a long time, like this is my church. And oh, you haven't been here as long as I have, so you don't deserve that seat on Sunday morning. I've sat there since 2019. <laughs> you know, attitudes can develop. Cultural differences. Ethnic differences. And there's something different about this kingdom of God that comes into the picture that Jesus first talked about, and now the apostles are talking about it in the, in the epistles. They're talking about the church. Now listen, when you are saved, you're brought into the family of God. We're all one big family. We, you're in. You don't look like me. You don't sound like me. You don't come from the same background as me. You might have a different socioeconomic status than I do. It doesn't matter. We're all part of the same family. Come on, somebody. Even when, even when there are other systems in the world that are coming up with all kinds of other languages for people that are different than us, and they label different groups of people, there's no room for labeling in the body of Christ, friend. We're all part of one body. We got one Lord and Savior. His name is Jesus, and we live by one spirit. Come on, somebody. That's the truth. I know when I got like a half a clap from church on Sunday morning. <laughs> You've got to see yourself in. You're not alone. You're one of us, and you need to see yourself that way. Don't put yourself on the bench. Don't opt out. Don't just be an observer. You are a part of the family of God. For redwood faith to be connected to the family requires the one seeing yourself as a family member. Number two, make intentional effort to connect. Make intentional effort to connect. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians chapter four. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. You're going to have the opportunity to go peace out. I'm out of here. We're going to have those opportunities. It's almost too easy nowadays. I'll just watch online. Now hear me, those of you that are watching online, I love you. But there is no replacement for being connected with other believers. None. And by the way, some of our, we have people that are shut in. They can't even attend church. They can't come physically to church. But we've got also teams 
that go and deliver communion and pastoral care teams that go minister. Listen, the body goes to where the body is. We got to take care of each other. Can I get a big amen from your church on that one? Paul spends a considerable amount of all of Ephesians talking to the church about how to get along. And he says, you got to make the effort. Some people are like, somebody else has to come my way. If I'm going to be more of a part of the church, somebody needs to tap me on the shoulder. Somebody needs to reach out to me. And Paul would disagree with you. No, you got to make an effort. You got to go the extra mile. You got to take the step. It doesn't just happen on its own. Make every effort to keep yourselves united. And then you got to make room for other people's faults. Nobody else is perfect, just like you. So that means that if we're going to stay a family, that we've got to have some kind of grace, supernatural grace of the Spirit of how to love each other and forgive each other. We live in an offended world that cancels everybody. But we can't cancel people in church. Can I get an amen to that? And it means taking time for relationships, to develop, working through conflict. It means showing up. Let me say it again. It means showing up. It means showing up. And I'm preaching to the people who showed up. You should feel good about that, right? Just remember next Sunday. Remember Team Emmanuel. Remember when you're not just to opt out when they're counting on you. Come on, somebody. Now you're like, I don't know how to start getting connected. This is why we do Growth Track at Emmanuel. And uh, how many of you have been to Growth Track? All right. Put your hands on it. That was not to shame those that haven't. But if you haven't yet, that's how you start getting connected. That's how we will take you through the process. We talk about Redwood Faith in there. We talk about circles of friendship. You don't start off with a deep friendship in day number one. Sometimes it takes a long time. I remember Jody saying early on that when she was younger, she just wanted to stay in a church long enough to have long-term relationships that she can share milestone events with people. Sometimes you got to just stay and hang in there to develop a deeper relationship. And sometimes you've developed the fellowship of the parking lot team, right? Sometimes it's the fellowship in the lobby or the fellowship of, of, of taking care of babies in the nursery. Sometimes it's our production team behind the, the scenes that are going through and they show up early for our call times. It just means taking the effort for a setting, for it's not about the activity we do as much as about who we do that activity with. Showing up. For Redwood Faith to be connected to the fam requires one, seeing yourself as a family member, two, intentional effort to connect, three, con becoming passionate fans of the family. This is what it requires. It requires becoming passionate fans of the family. Pulling for the front of the jersey. It's saying, I'm, I'm for the body. I'm for other people. I'll worry about myself later, but I want to champion others. 
Even if they get celebrated and I don't, insecurity doesn't have room here because I'm already accepted. I'm already into the family. I'll let God raise up and take me down and put me in places where he wants me to be. But it's, it's, it's saying to the, the, the teammates that we have, even this morning, who are in the nursery or taking care of toddlers, you rock! You got up this morning and you didn't go in service. Hopefully they can go to the second service or the first service and they can attend one and serve one or something like that. But many times they're going in and they're giving their life while you get to hear something else. You get to experience God. How many of you parents are grateful for our team of men, your kids team? I mean, think about what they do. They need to feel that from you. And by the way, they need some more of you to join them too. Jump in there. Why not? Because you're on Team Emmanuel. You're not just a movie theater Christian. We got to pull for our tech teams and our camera and our production teams and our sound and light people. And listen, I cheer for you. You guys are handling technology. Sometimes the demonic goes after our technology. You guys are fighting for each other, and you're making a huge difference. I mean, think about this. Randy, you're looking at me right now, Randy. Randy, our director. You are responsible for all the shots and the change of cameras. Don't change this shot right now. I'm looking at you. This shot goes to all of our locations. You make a difference, Randy. You make a difference. You and your team make a difference every time somebody gets out there or somebody watches us online or somebody gives their life to Jesus. You're on Team Emmanuel. Woo! I love you. What about first impressions and all that goes on in the lobbies and the coffee and getting up early and showing up and smiling? You might be the very reason somebody chooses to return. You make a massive difference. You know what the statistics say? Before a person is here 10 minutes, they make a choice about whether or not they're going to come back to a church. They haven't heard me preach yet. You make a difference. We need each other. Think about those that are facilitating groups and those that are in youth ministry, next-gen ministry, the, the investment that you make. I get so pumped on Wednesday night when I get to go see our teenagers imperfect as they are, just like I was in middle school. Awkward feeling. But when they come to church, they have a place. They have a family. They are a home. All of our Team Emmanuel volunteers that are jumping in with our youth pastors, you are making a difference that will last a lifetime. Some of you are breaking family chains. You are giving them a hope and a future just because you're in it. I love you! See, you may not sing on the platform or hand the offering buckets out. When you come to church, you are shaking the hand of your family. You are pulling for your friends. And we are all together playing for the glory of the front of the jersey. We can approach our attendance differently. Praying, God, move today as we gather together. I want to see you change other people's lives. I want to see this hurting person next to me healed. The lonely to find a friend that sticks closer than any brother. I want to be a part of what you're doing. See, the climate for Redwood Faith connection is unity. That's the climate. 
when we are all in this together, we're all praying. We're not just counting on Pastor Nate to be prayed up, to be preached up on Sunday morning. But when we come together, it's the whole thing. We're all needed. We're all necessary. You don't understand, Pastor Nate. I got some stuff going on in my life. But I'm just telling you this. You won't get the stuff you need if you're not connected to the body. Because the body is God's delivery system for his healing. I love what it says later on in Ephesians chapter 4 because I have to slip this in. Starting verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who what? That it may benefit those who? And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, and brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Verse 29 again. Not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's 429. And this is one of my big signature things here at Emmanuel. It's always 429. No matter what time of day it is, it's always time to build each other up. There's no room when you're on Team Emmanuel talking behind people's backs. And if we have somebody that offends us, we go to each other. We work through it together because we're on the same family. We don't opt out, tell everybody else, and go to another church. Listen, don't bring that stuff to some other church. I'm okay with being transplanted into another church. If you're healthy and you go there, but don't bring it to some other church. Deal with it here, then go. Let there be healing fully inside so that you're not carrying it on to some other place. I would love nothing more for God to raise people up and maybe they send them to other places on the planet and they have to go to another church for them to be healthy people when they show up at those churches. Why? Because we take our culture with us. In our family, we don't talk behind people's backs. In our family, we cheer each other on. In our family, we notice the good in other people. In our family, when they're down, we hurt with them and we hold their hand. In our family, when somebody has a need, we pray together. In our family, when there's something going on in the soul level, then the church gathers around and protects each other. You know how the enemy attacks a sheep? When it leaves the flock, it gets stuck in the thicket, and Jesus goes and leaves the 99, rescues them, and brings them back. And Jesus was challenging us to be like him. Sometimes there are people that have been wounded and hurt or whatever's gone on and they are no longer a part of the body and then the Lord will say to you and to me, pray for the prodigals and then go reach the prodigals and bring them home. Fourth and last thing, Redwood Faith to be connected to the family. One was seeing yourself as a family member. Number two, intentional effort to make an intentional effort to connect. Three was becoming passionate fans of the family. And four, devotion to sustained connection. We got to re-up our commitment. We got to say, you know, I'm in. I've gone through some stuff, and maybe some of us gone through a season of disconnection. I get it. Things happen. We're kind of away for a while. But we got to be redevoted, if you will, to get back into what God is doing in his church. 
Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing and meals according to the Lord's, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. They're committed to the word. Let's, let's stay in with the word, amen? No matter what's going on, and I know that there are various social media and, and media people that will tell you what to be worried about in the world today, and you can look at that information, but let that not guide you. Let the word of God guide you. Let it come from here, amen? Let the word, and then let's be committed to each other and remembering each other, and let's be committed to prayer. I want you to stand on each of our locations today as I finish the message. I want you to ask yourself, how can I grow in my connection to the family? Ask yourself that. Do I need to try again? Do I, do I need to practice forgiveness? Do I need to sign up for growth track? Do I need to renew a commitment to our friendships in the church family? Do I need to reconnect and serve on Team Emmanuel? What is it that you need to do as your next step? Ask yourself that. What can I dream for my church family today? Look around you. Go ahead, take a second. Look around in the room around you. Look around in Maple Grove and Elk River and Lakeville. Look around in Spring Lake Park. How can I join my faith with those around me to see miracles? Can you imagine what God can do when we're connected and together? What if the disconnected found hope and healing by being connected? And the enemy attacks the isolated family member, but we find strength when we stick together. We're gonna worship together in just a moment, but kind of as my action step to what we do next today, I just believe that so much of what I preach is gonna be done outside of this room or it's gonna be done when the service is over. It's gonna be contingent on what you do with Team Emmanuel and the family and hugging and caring for each other and smiling each other and cheering each other on when you leave here or groups this week. But for this moment, we can all be in this thing together. And if you feel comfortable, I'd like you to just put a hand on the shoulder of the people next to you. And we're gonna pray that God would do his miracle of unity this is your sister. This is your brother. We all need each other. When I'm done praying in each of our locations, we're going to worship together. But I just want to pray. Father, I thank you for, Lord, what you did 2,000 years ago when we read from Acts chapter 2 on the day that you added 3,000 to their number and all the things that the church committed itself to. Thank you, Lord, that we can be, Lord, surrounding uh, your word and we can trust in you. And Lord, but we ultimately thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for our sisters and brothers. We recognize we need each other. And so, Lord, with the world outside fighting and, and, and in division, I pray, God, that we would not be divisive in the church, that we would not have anger, that we would not have separation. We would not be passive aggressive, but Lord, that we would be loving and kind and Lord, we're willing to be broken together, healed together, minister together, to be the body of Christ you've called us to be. Give us sensitivity to the needs of people around us. And Lord, fill our hearts with faith that our best days are still ahead of us, that you're going to do great things in our story. We thank you, we trust you. Be with our sister and our brother and our right and our left. Lord, would you minister them and encourage them and help them stay in the race and all the things that challenge them. We pray that you build them up, help them be whole, help them be healthy. Let them be filled with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen.
Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.